Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. And we're very excited to finally have another interview today. Yay! Yes, uh, we are joined today by Veronica Roth, who, of course, is the number one New York Times bestselling author of the Divergent series, uh, the Carve the Mark duology, the End and Other Beginnings collection of short fiction, and most recently, her newest novel, Chosen Ones. Veronica, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's so rare I get to talk to another Veronica and Tom. (laughs) And Tom's. Um, I, I honestly, I feel the same. I think I've only met a handful of other Veronica's in my life. Um, yeah. and so where, where I, this is kind of personal, I guess, but where did you get your name from? Um, well, my father wanted us all to have German names. So my siblings mm. are Carl with a K and Ingrid. And then he wanted me to be Monica, uh, with a K. And my mom was like, I don't like the name Monica. So they compromised with Veronica. I also have a brother, Carl with a K. What? My grandfather's name was Carl. What? Guys. <laughs> with a, okay, first of all, Tom, a little less interesting than what I just said. Which no, is, I'm just throwing it in there. <laughs> you know? Yes, that's a good point. I can't believe you have a brother who's Carl. Oh, my God. Are we living the same life in that's slightly different places? <laughs> that is so weird. And my um, my dad's last name, I was, uh, my mom got remarried. And so I have my stepdad's last name, but my my uh, dad's last name is Ruck, W-R-U-C-K, which is Germanic Prussian. Yeah. Um, so yeah, but my, Veronica's my, my great aunt's name on mm. my mother's side. Oh, so nice. that's where, yeah, family name. Um, so now that we've gotten that out of the way... Uh, <laughs> How has it been doing a completely virtual book tour for Chosen Ones? You know, it's actually been pretty great. There have been some technological snafus, as you might imagine. Mm-hmm. Um, no matter how much preparation that you <laughs> that you do, you still can't predict, you know, what's going to happen with Instagram or Facebook or whatever. But otherwise, it's um, I was really looking forward to the tour in person. So at first I was really sad and kind of scared of what it would do you know, to the Mm -hmm. book. Um, But I think it's gone really well. And I've, I mean, there was no other option. So (laughs) it's kind of like, just, you know, you get what you get and that's all right. Um, But it's created a lot of opportunities to do interesting stuff. And more people are able to attend the events, like people in, you know, flyover states that I wouldn't have gone to or in other countries. So that part is like pretty awesome. Yeah, I was noticing too, um, it's, it's difficult, I think, because 
we were discussing on a previous episode about how booksellers are having trouble shipping books out or sending them out because of issues. Yeah. Um, and you also kind of touched upon that in your Facebook Live earlier in the week where you're not able to send out signed copies um, because of that too. So that that there's some logistical things that that make this even more of a nightmare. Yeah, it's not great. I mean, it's not great for any industry and it's especially scary for independent bookstores right now. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I think authors everywhere are trying to support them as much as possible because we all care so much that they like when I come out of this quarantine, I want to see the same indie bookstores that I had around me that I did before. Yeah, yeah. And so I will mention that saveindiebookstores.com is where you can find a fundraising effort for to support independent bookstores and their employees in this time if you have money to spare, which I know a lot of people don't. But if you do, that's where you could go. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It's it's a it's an unusual time, and so you know there there's some unusual measures need to be called for. Like you were saying, doing a virtual book tour probably something no one would choose to do, uh, or or even hope would get the attention it would under normal circumstances. But because there is no other choice, uh, you get a lot more people, I think, open to that. Uh, yeah. And so hopefully that means there will be more people open to to you know chipping in to help the indie bookstores as well. Yeah, that's my hope. Well, let's talk a little bit about Chosen Ones. Uh, tell us what it's about uh, or, or, or how you would explain it to someone who knows nothing about it. Sure. Yeah. My elevator pitch. Um, <laughs> it is a book about a group of people who defeated a Dark Lord kind of figure known as the Dark One when they were teenagers. And now it's 10 years later and they are the most famous people on Earth. And they're still dealing with the repercussions of what happened to them when they were younger, both psychologically and in the world around them. So I saw you mention in uh, that Facebook Live actually about the concept of the chosen one in genre fiction and and really how much impact it had on you in the books that you've read in the past. Why do you think that's so popular with writers and readers? I have thought about this a lot. <laughs> and I'm not exactly sure why we love them so much. Um, I know why I love them. I think because when I was younger, I was both lonely and like desperate to be special, you know, that interesting combination. Um, And that's what Chosen One characters are. They're like by themselves bearing this heavy burden. And you also get to see them struggle with wanting that specialness and with rejecting it, uh, with fearing it. And um, I also love the moment when they realize they have to choose the destiny that awaits them, even though that seems like, I don't know, a contradiction. Um, and so I love all those aspects of it. But yeah, I'm not sure if we like to read about them because we wish we could be set apart or if we read about them because we're glad that we're not. Maybe it's both. Yeah, that makes sense. Like it, it, it could be a little bit of I wish I, I want to be like someone who stands out. But also getting getting to see what happens when you stand yeah. out and go, oh, I'm glad mm. that's not me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. That's, that's absolutely, I think, where the story has definitely been going. So I'm about, I would say about a third of the way through Chosen Ones, really mm. enjoying it so far. And it definitely shows that that kind of dark side of being thrust into this position, especially in a modern day society. Because I think when we look back at books like Harry Potter actually did deal with this a little bit with that yeah. celebrity. Mm. And having to be that that face of a movement, um, and how damaging that was uh, to him psychologically sometimes. But if you go way back into like earlier fantasy, mm, not so much of an issue because there aren't. <laughs> 
you know, newspapers or the internet to deal with. And King so Arthur it, didn't have to deal with bad press. Exactly. Exactly. Maybe <laughs> bad bards. Um, but in yeah, this offensive yeah, it, poetry. <laughs> But in this day and age, there's this whole new added element to it that really mimics a lot of the the, the celebrity and, you know, even child stars that we see and, and how they deal with the, this kind of attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think actually, now that I consider the Harry Potter of it all, which, you know, we must all do, mm-hmm. <laughs> people of a certain age, I feel like it must be uh, buried deep in my brain because reading the articles about Harry and getting angry in those books at how he was being misrepresented by the media um, is something that you can kind of see threads of in chosen ones for sure. Yeah. Another thing that you mentioned is that the characters here are, are existing years later after becoming famous as teenagers. And I think that ties into a question that a lot of folks in our audience had Melanie in our forums asked it in particular, uh, are you growing up with your fans or did you write this book and it just happened to be adult? Because uh, you're going from a very popular young adult series to an adult series. Well, I think it's probably a little bit of both. So I am still considerably older than most of my readers, um, even though they've... I mean, I, st- I have this experience now, which is really amazing and also terrifying, where like a grown woman will come up to me and be like, I read your books when I was a kid. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but it's fine. So I don't know if I would have had the um, capacity to write about this particular theme when I was younger. So certainly it's a factor of me being older that I'm able to write about, you know, the the what's next feeling, the like kind of disillusionment of being mm-hmm. in your late 20s, that kind of thing. Um, but I do think Mostly it came from the idea for this book. I got the idea for it and I thought it was compelling and it kept, you know, poking at me. I was thinking about it while I was finishing up the Carve the Mark series. So um, that's how long it was kind of percolating. And I just knew that because of what it is, because it's about, you know, it's about what now? Um, what do I do now after I've achieved the the biggest thing a person can possibly achieve, which is saving the world, you know? Um, and because it's about taking responsibility and, um, I've been saying like pain doesn't give you license to be an asshole is a, is a main theme in this book. Um, those are just (laughs) Mm -hmm. like, those are adult themes. Those are adult concerns. Mm -hmm. So it just felt uh, like a natural move. Yeah. She went on to kind of ask, um, it's, it's really a a matter of much debate in book forums, uh, how you really define the difference between adult and YA. Yeah, to me, it's not so hard. Um, And I'll tell you why. (laughs) Because there's such a range of possibility in YA. And I think people who are more confused about it, maybe haven't read as broadly, that's maybe not fair to say, but I do see that a lot. Um, Because a lot of times it's like, is it about pacing? Is it about content? It's about neither of those things. um, To me, to me, YA book, a YA book, treats adolescence as if the character is moving forward through time as an adolescent. Mm-hmm. And an adult book looks back on adolescence, even if it's about a young character. Um, so you can kind of sense that like adult authorial hand in an adult book about a younger character. Um, so for, for me, that's where the line is. And obviously that line gets a little blurry and that's fine. Um, these categories are only useful until they're not So uh, it's really like, you know, is it a good book or not? 
that's a really interesting way of looking at it. It's it's the perspective of the characters. Like I'm I'm curious if there if we thought about it, could we define a genre as senior adult? Where the characters <laughs> are, you know, near the end of their life. And there, there's plenty of novels like that. That's true. Yeah. I yeah. I think one of the best examples to help me illustrate it is All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders, which mm-hmm. the characters when they Love start, him. yeah, they're all like, I think when they start, she's like 10 years old or 11. But you can tell that like, this is a, someone is telling you that story. And then the narrative catches up to whoever that person is. So it's clearly an adult book, even though it's about a young character who grows up. Before we move off the young adult thing, David uh, noted that when he listens to audiobooks of adult stories during his commute, he keeps having to rewind, but found that young adult stories are easier to follow. And he wanted to know if you thought you consciously changed something about the writing style when you go from young adult to adult. Um, hmm, That's a good question. I don't think I did really. I only stopped worrying so much about pacing. Um, That sounds so bad. (laughs) But what I mean is that an adult reader is not as uh, particular about that. So they'll stick with you and hang in there and let you establish a world in a way that a young adult reader is maybe not as apt to do. Mm. Um, Or at least that's what, you know, the kind of standards of the category have determined. So Um, what I said before about it not being about pacing is still true because there are young adult books that have been successful that have been a bit slower in pace, but it's just, it does tend to be more of a concern. So maybe that's what he's noticing about his Hmm. audiobooks. Well, I think it also ties into what you exactly just said about the, the difference with writing young adult versus adult and how those characters are kind of telling that story in the book from the, from the perspective too, Mm -hmm. because if you're, if you're an adult, I guess there's a different way that a a young adult character would be describing their story. I'm getting all caught up in my head now. (laughs) No, I'm with you. I like it. It's something, I I got something there. I've got the thread of it. Um, But we'll move on to Melanie's next question. Um, She actually said, so this is a question about Carve the Mark. Uh, The book centered around a prophecy. And I thought this tied in really nicely, actually, with Chosen Ones as well. Um, But she wanted to know how much thought did you put into that balance between, you know, there's a a, a prophecy at the center of the story. Does that make it too predictable or, you know, that balance between too predictable versus too opaque? I... I would love to talk about prophecy. Um, so I, yeah, this is the second time I've been like prophecy. Yes. Um, I, I love a fulfilled prophecy that still surprises you. I, when I find it in books, I'm so delighted, but what I was thinking about with carve the mark at least was, um, there's some quote, I think it was John Green who said it in like a tweet. So I don't know. (laughs) I can't verify this. But he's talking about how you don't always need surprise to be the element of tension in your story. You can also use dread, which is totally clear for The Fault in Our Stars. You know, these two Mm -hmm. characters, like, it's a ticking time bomb story, and that's where the tension comes from. Um, And I think that can be true of stories with prophecies, too. Um, That it's, it's a little like law and order criminal intent. It's like, well, tell me how it happens Mm -hmm. as opposed Mm -hmm. to that it happens. Um, And so I, I thought about that quite a bit um, with Carve the Mark. And then again, with Chosen Ones, it felt, I don't know, it felt a little, a little different with Chosen Ones for some reason. Now I have no idea why. So forget I ever said that. <laughs> <laughs> They're different types of prophecies. Yeah. Yes. 
Well, what you're saying reminds me of something that our, our friend, who, uh, Brian Brushwood, who's a magician, says, which is that the key to magic, and, and I don't think he's the first person to say it, but but he says the key to magic is to convince someone two plus two is five and then reveal that it's actually four. Yeah. Uh, and that, that feels kind of <laughs> like the same sort of trick that you're pulling off with a prophecy story. Yeah. And you spend the whole time trying to think, like, how could this... How could the wording of this be like misleading? How could it is a little like a sleight of hand um, in literature form? Uh, we've got another question here from Melanie about Divergent, uh, wanting to know, and there's so so many other franchises uh, deal with the same question. Uh, how do you handle people not liking the ending? And and she <laughs> asks, would you rewrite it if you had a chance? Well, I'll answer that one first, which is no. Um, I wouldn't rewrite it. Good. I, yeah, I mean, honestly, I don't think people believe me when I say this, but I did think about a lot of other options when it came to ending the series. I would sit there with my mom at lunch. She would drive to the city and have lunch with me. And I'd be like, okay, well, what about this? And we would talk it out. And I'd be like, no, it's not going to work for this and that reason. So I was like determined to find some other way around it. And it just didn't work because every Mm -hmm. time I decided on some other option, I felt like a coward. Um, And, you know, the thing about books is the author stands behind them for the rest of their life. So you have to choose the thing that's right for you because you carry it. Um, And it's much easier to carry something around that you felt convinced of and strongly about than something that you feel was guided by by someone else. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I wouldn't change it. Uh, There was another part to that question. How do you deal? Oh, how do you deal with readers not liking the end? Yeah. Um, well, they were never going to like it. Like, <laughs> no matter what I did, <laughs> honestly, it's just, you got to let go of that stuff. I'm totally fine with people not liking it. It doesn't really bother me. I only, it only bothers me when people get mean about it, but they usually don't. They're just, they're upset. They're sad. They had a different thing in mind. Um, that's fine. That's fair. Book belongs to them now. So I, I feel like, endings are the are the worst because you're already as a as a as a reader or a viewer even you're already predisposed not to like it because it's ending because you like the thing so much yeah and you you maybe have been anticipating it for so long you know you've been building up to this point mm-hmm. over the course of several books and especially if you were like just reading each diversion book as it was coming out there were years between them when you could like think about how it was going to go and worry about how it was going to go So I think there's just like no way to live up to that, really. Well, there's a lot of authors out there who are still struggling with that for sure these days of of finishing series that have a lot of acclaim. So it is it is not an easy thing to do. That's for sure. Mm -hmm. But it must have still, you know, feeling good finishing a series also. Um, Is Chosen Ones a trilogy? Did I did I read that somewhere? No. Or is that a plan? It's a duology. A duology. Cool. Mm -hmm. Nice. Uh, We've also heard that Chosen Ones has already been optioned for film. Uh, congrats. Thank you. Is there is there much that you can tell us about that yet? Well, it's pretty early, early days right now. But um, mm-hmm. the fun part about it is that the guy who originally read Divergent and wanted to option it and did option it was Eric Feig, who was at Summit Entertainment at that time. And then, you know, the Divergent movies were made and and... <laughs> they were made. <laughs> Three of them were made is what I will say about them. Um, and, but 
he owns Picture Start, which is the, it's a combo studio and production company that option chosen or chosen ones. So it's a reunion for us. And he was always someone who really cared a lot about books and who actually seemed, you know, to have read them, which is not a given in Hollywood when they're optioning things. Like, obviously, they don't read everything that they acquire. So he mm-hmm. seemed always seemed very knowledgeable about that sort of thing. So I'm really happy to be working with him again. But, you know, right now we're just uh, starting out. So hopefully... We always, um, we, we used to play a game in, in another book club that I did, uh, called vaginal fantasy, where we would do casting for all of the, uh, the books that we read. Do you have any like casting ideas or people you would like to see as Sloan or Matt or any of the other characters in the book? Or is that still, do you want to hold that close for now? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have some people I feel like would look more like the characters or not, but I just like, at this point, I think I know too much about how the industry works to even speculate because I'm like, <laughs> don't even let yourself hang on to any ideas because probably it will come to nothing. <laughs> we'll play that game in Goodreads uh, <laughs> yeah. with, the, yeah. with the listeners and that's always fun. We'll cast it for you. Don't worry. We'll take care Thank of it. Thank you. Appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, one thing we always ask authors and some authors just don't even have any time to read, uh, but, but is there anything you're reading or excited to read? Do you even have time? Yeah. So, I mean, I have less time at this very second um, just because of all the stuff going on. But I lo- I do love to read and make time for it. Um, I just finished This Is How You Lose the Time War by mm. Amal oh. El-Motar and uh, Max Gladstone. Max Gladstone, so yeah. That was excellent. Excellent, if anyone hasn't read it. Um, and then I, one of the reasons I have listened to Sword and Laser is because I was like, I want to know what they think about Gideon the Ninth. <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> So, but you guys said it was a little bit divisive, which I, is know, interesting. It's it's our audience. We we're always they're always divisive. Um, I was going to so say we well, have good. so many people reading. I think it's almost every book is divis- divisive in some way or another. There's there's because mm-hmm. there's just too many different opinions out there. Right. Yeah, so well, two things. Yeah. Once we we just uh, were reading uh, How to Lose a Time War right now for Sword and Laser. It's this month's book pick. Oh, my um, God. <laughs> yeah. It, it won. Uh, it won the March Madness, um, which I think was the, the kickoff of March Madness, I think, was the episode you listened to because you mentioned that we were talking about Gideon the Ninth. Yes. Um, and so... That was uh, that was the winner, and so Tom and I actually just both finished it, and uh, we really enjoyed it. And, and we'll have to. I don't want to spoil anyone who's listening to this one who hasn't finished it yet for the book club, so we won't get into spoilery talk on that book. But Gideon the Ninth is open for spoilers because we read that a while ago. I loved that book. Mm-hmm. Like I, I'm so obsessed with this character and this world. And I read the, uh, the arc for Harrow the ninth and <gasps> it is, it is, it's pretty great. <laughs> it's pretty great. Oh man. I'm so excited. I really, it was one of those books where like I, it had been a while since I'd really gotten immersed in something and I needed it desperately. And the second page when the first, like kind of, it's not really an anachronism, but you guys kind of talked about this where some of the language is, old timey and some of it is new timey um and the first like time she swears or something i just like burst out laughing and i was in she's hilarious (laughs) i love her i I miss her her. Uh, you need to send me the arc i gave it away (laughs) i know should have given it away to tom (laughs) at least first and then we could have given it away it's on net galley you can get it i know you're right i just need to go download it 
Um, yeah, I really, that, that series has been one. I think I just needed something like that right now. I think it was, it was the right book at the right time for me, um, that just really sucked me in and the, the combination of both like mystery and fun and, Mm. you know, sword fighting and battles and like real epic monsters and big bads. Um, it, to me that it hit all the right notes for me. Uh, so I, I just, I loved it. And, I, and I'm so happy. Like, I, I don't know if you heard the news, but it's nominated for the Hugo and the Nebula. Yes. Yes. I was very pumped. So fingers crossed. Uh, so also was uh, How to Lose the Time War. This is how we lose the time war uh, for best novella for both both categories as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's yeah, it's it's uh, we're, we've been picking some good ones lately. I got to say I'm pretty, pretty pleased with ourselves. Um, it feels like the opposite of the Academy Awards in that when things are nominated for Hugo's and Nebula's, I usually actually want to read them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's true. We we were saying that we were going to try to pick all of the nominees for the rest of the year um, before the the Hugos come out. So it's going to be kind of tight. But we've got we've we've done two of them already, I think. So I think we're in in pretty good shape were we to play that out for the rest of the year. Nice. Uh, so yeah. So um, I'll I'll send you a, the the arc of Harrow the Ninth uh, if you're interested. If you've got any time for reading both of you, uh, we can we can make that work. I think. I actually have the digital yeah. one already. Perfect. I just haven't okay. done it yet because I am wondering if I should just wait. But but I think she had to move her pub date because of coronavirus. So yes. Um. So maybe I'll just read it on ebook. <laughs> I yeah. Can't wait. I know it was. I think it was supposed to be June, and I think mm-hmm. it got pushed back to August. I want to say that sounds um, right. Yeah. That, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in that time frame. But yeah, excellent, excellent book. Great choice. Um. And thanks for listening to the show. How was it? Just out of curiosity, was there anything we could work on? Any, yeah, any no notes? pressure. Man, I loved it. I wanted to report back. I was like, yes, cranberry juice is delicious. Yes, the flavored San Pellegrino is the best. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, no, you guys are great. <laughs> Excellent. Well, so congratulations on the book. Uh, I, I can't wait for everyone to pick it up out there. I, like I said, I've been reading it. It's a lot of fun. It's uh, the characters are are super interesting, and I love how it's revealing the story. It almost felt like I had had like there was backstory that I was like, oh my gosh, did I miss this? This is actually the second book in a series. But then mm. it starts revealing and you're like, oh, okay. It's like a flower unfolding with with information. Yeah. Via government documents, which is yes. the best way <laughs> to find out information. I have to say the first, um, the the very first part of the book, which is the the stand-up comedian, I think was was for me, one of the most original beginnings of a book I've read in a really <laughs> long time. And I, I, I'm a huge stand-up comedy fan. So it was like, I pictured it in my head perfectly. Um, so that was that was a really cool, cool uh, device there. I am so glad you liked that one, particularly because that was the hardest one to write because I am not a comedian. So, oh. you know, like it's, you can kind of imitate a comedian, but like, it's always like, is this going to be funny to anyone else? So I'm glad you liked it. <laughs> so where can other people uh, follow along with all of your work and comings and goings on the internet over the next few months? Well, I am on Instagram at vrothbooks. And I, if you want to go on any of the virtual tour <laughs> or go see them after the fact, um, veronicarothbooks.com slash tour is where all of that information lives. So those are my two internet spaces. 
Excellent. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you for having me. And for all of you out there, if you want to help support the show, head over to patreon.com slash sword and laser. All the info is there. And thank you to everyone who does chip in every so often. You could also support the show by buying books through our links, uh, links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites, like, I don't know, maybe the newest book from Veronica Roth will be there <laughs> at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email feedback at swordandlaser.com. Our website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. And you can follow us and leave us a message over on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. We'll see you next time. Bye. Audio program so good, it's like you're there!